0: What's up, Bucketheads? Thanks for tuning in, and welcome to episode number 52 of the Baseball Bucket List podcast. I'm your host, Anna DiTomaso, and each week on the show, I speak with a different baseball fan about their favorite memories, what's left on their baseball bucket list, and what the game of baseball means to them. Believe it or not, this week marks episode number 52, which means we've been at this thing for an entire year now. Short of my marriage and mortgage payments, I'm not sure I've ever been as committed to something as I am to bring in you guys these amazing baseball stories each week. So first off, thanks to each and every one of you who are taking the time to listen to this right now. Thank you for downloading the episodes, reaching out over social media and email, buying merchandise, writing reviews, and most importantly, sharing the show with baseball fans everywhere. Without you all, this show wouldn't exist. Now instead of our typical episode structure, this week's show is going to focus on several of the highlights that have come over the last year. When I got started with this show, I had so many preconceived notions about baseball and baseball fans. I knew there was a big connection between our emotions as fans and what the game of baseball means to us, but I really wasn't prepared for some of the stories I'd get a chance to hear. I've learned so many lessons about the game of baseball and about people in general over the last year, and my goal for today is to share those with you all. I'm happy to report that the game of baseball means more to me now than it ever has before, and you guys are a huge part of that. With over 25 hours of recorded interviews, there's no way I could highlight everyone I wanted to, so make sure you go back and listen to the prior episodes to get caught up on all the latest and best baseball adventures. All right, lesson number one, and this is something that I already kind of had an inkling of before I started the show, and to be honest with you, part of the reason that I decided to start the Baseball Bucket List podcast, and that is, it's not what happens during or at the ball game; it's who you're there with. Time and time again, when people are telling me their best baseball memory, more than the recounting of what happened, what they witnessed, it's who they were there with. It's the emotions they shared with somebody who mattered to them. And this clip from Dr. Shane Hunt is one of the best explanations as to why minor league baseball in particular is one of the most family-friendly settings there is.
1: And and I would answer that from not just a fan standpoint, but but also from a dad standpoint. Baseball provides such a wonderful time to talk to your family. I love basketball, but you go to a basketball game and you just watch the basketball game. And that's great, but it's a very different dynamic than pointing out something funny in the fourth inning or you know, telling some story in the fifth inning or taking friends or having kids at different ages, whether they're rolling down the hill or whether they're keeping the score sheet. And, and when you go to minor league games and you can get an ice cream and a, and a, little, a little ball cap Just be out there and enjoy life.
0: As someone who doesn't have kids, but was a kid at one point in my life, these stories about parents and children bonding over the game of baseball really resonate with me. And so here are two quick ones back to back. First up, Deborah Dando, followed by Dr. Paul Simmendinger. It was just us. And it was nice because I was so super close to him. We would sit and watch an entire game but that's just the greatest part about going to the games and and like my dad understood that, like i understood that from my dad but like my dad taught me that
2: you know you talk about baseball bucket lists right to, to yeah. go to the field of dreams get to play ball and have a catch with your dad and your mom uh, and and to be able to spend that time together and it was really one of the most special events, couple of days of my whole life. That was really, really special.
0: As we get older, things start to change for us and, you know, our lives start to look a little different. But what's funny about the game of baseball is because it's such a long season and it's there every day for you. You can kind of mark your life, the times of your life by the game of baseball. the example I always use is I know exactly where I was when I watched the end of that crazy game 162 and more recently I can remember putting the furniture together in our new house watching Mike Brasso hit a home run off of Chapman to put the Rays past the Yankees in the 2020 ALDS I immediately called my brother and my dad and we got to share that memory together even though we were in the middle of this pandemic and so many states away. It was something that we connected over it's more about that connection that the game provides to these people who matter most to you and regardless of what happens down the line regardless of what happens with that game that you're watching those memories are always there for us and so here are two stories back to back about that first up Mark Vickes talking about childhood and how the minor league setting always seems to transport him back in time, followed up by Tim Flattery with a great account of what it was like to be at the Field of Dreams game in person with his brother, Neil.
2: You know, I'm still young at heart, uh, still have a childlike innocence to me at times. It's always nice to go back to a minor league setting and still feel a certain way because it does remind me of, of happy times family vacations and things change in, in your life and um, you know you but you always have that to, to fall back on it felt like you were walking into the movie I, I don't know how else to describe it it was so surreal they did such an amazing job and so like you're getting chills down your spine the whole time and then you walk on to the field and there is thousands and thousands of people playing catch fathers and sons husbands and wives boyfriends and girlfriends they're playing catch out in the outfield so then you walk out of the movie set you know you get to the stadium you're thinking there's no way it can get any better than this so then cosner walks out of the corn. his speech i i was bawling i was texting my dad i love you dad there was a flyover of jets like the, every note was just perfect
0: Then you have the stories that really get me, where baseball still somehow manages to provide a connection to loved ones that we've lost along the way, or maybe never even got a chance to meet in the first place, but we still feel like there's this little piece of them that we get to know through their love of the game and our love of the game. So here we have two stories, Billy Hinton, followed by Eric the Peanut Guy Mertens.
3: My wife's dad was a huge Lou Gehrig fan before he passed away. And so the more I started thinking about it, I thought, well, you know, I'm never going to be able to do the traditional, like asking her dad. And I started thinking, all right, how can I work Lou Gehrig into this somehow? Like, how can I tie her dad in? At the new Yankee Stadium, they have a really cool little, just like Yankee history museum. He's like, oh, we'll call your, your girlfriend at the time over. So Jenna comes over and he starts talking to her. And he says, you know, my dad was a huge Gehrig fan. And he goes, oh, okay, well, so I got something to show you guys over here. And of all the items for him to have in this closet, he has a game-used Lou Gehrig bat. The cool part to me was that when I proposed, she was holding Lou Gehrig's bat, which I just thought was like, you know, that divine intervention. I needed somebody, to, somebody for the Hail Mary catch on that one, and <laughs> it worked somehow.
2: The last Father's Day that my dad was alive, he threw out the first pitch, and I got to catch it. At the time it was, it was a very special moment, but I was like, well, this is nice, you know, like maybe we could do this again next year. But now of course, looking back how special that was. And there's almost, my dad almost teared up doing it. And to him, it meant the world. He said, we need to, we need to get that ball and we need to sign it. So we both signed it and he put it in a ball cube and kept it on his um, nightstand right next to his pillow. And now it's on my nightstand right next to my pillow. So that, That is my favorite baseball memory, and I have my good friend, Ann, who works with the Dust devils, for for, um, having that idea in the first place.
0: Then you have moments where complete strangers go out of their way to do something so thoughtful and selfless to make a special day for you or your family and create something that we'll remember forever. Two stories here, Don Miller followed by
2: I turned around to the guy who had the ball and I just walked up to him and I casually said, Hey, do you mind if I bring my son up to see the ball? And he's like, Yeah, sure you go. So I brought him up and here's this guy, he's probably in his
1: early twenties, and he looks at my son and he goes, Hey, did you ever see a major league baseball up close? My
2: son's like seven years old. He's like, No. So he puts the ball in my son's hand. My son's like looking at and he goes, does you see that smudge mark on the side? That's where the ball made contact with the back. Then Jacob's like looking at the ball and he reaches back to handle the ball. And the guy goes, no, sorry kid, you can
1: keep it. And the smile on my son's face, it took me five days to get the ball
2: out of his hand. He brought it home on the bus with him in his hands. He stuck with it when he got home. It didn't leave his side.
3: Before the game in Missoula, the MC there is Sammy B. And and I'm sure Eric probably had something to do with this, but they they grabbed him to do a, a little starting of the game interaction. Try not to cry talking about this story. And so he they had the the team out there and he hit a ball. And so all the fielders are just kind of screwing around, missing, and he hit a home run. And so he's running around the bases and you you see that as a parent. And I just literally on the concourse just broke down and started crying. It was one of the greatest moments of my life. And I I I see Sammy B and I'm trying to like through tears explain to him like something he does every game. Just I was like, thank you for that. That seeing that meant the world for me.
0: Lesson number two, if done correctly, loving this game can do incredible things for our mental well-being. That's not to say that on the other side it can't be negative, but if you put the appropriate distance between the results and yourself and you focus on what really matters, it can really keep us sane. Here we'll hear from Michael Ruzignolo about Finding Baseball Zen, followed up by Craig Calcaterra.
2: And it was just a regular, regular season Mets game. But it's like at the end of this, all seeing baseball every day. And I was sitting right behind third base. And I was like me and David Wright on speaking terms as far as I'm concerned. It was somewhere around the third or fourth inning. And I was just sitting there. And it was just a real moment of zen out of nowhere where it's like, I can't be enjoying this any more than I am
3: right now. He got the third out of the sixth inning uh, right when they called for the tarp. I'm standing on the on the uh, concourse of uh, great American ballpark waiting for the game to start hoping that the delay is only like maybe, you know, 20 minutes or something. So maybe Maddox can come out, but now it goes like 45 minutes. He's done. They did not hire him. They did not trade for him to, uh, you know, throw a no hitter against the bad Reds team in the middle of uh, August. They hired, you know, got him to go to the playoffs. The, the storm ends, they bring in a reliever to resume the game. I can't remember who it was. And he gave up a hit to the first guy he faced. So that was <laughs> it. But that night on the bus going back home up to Columbus, I was wired. I was, I, and I, you know, I had like whatever the 2006 smartphone was like a Palm Trio, which you could barely write emails on. And I was uh, sending emails off to my friends talking about how exciting this was. And some of them were surprised because I hadn't talked about baseball with any of them for years, but this was just a moment that just made me feel something. And uh, I'll I'll never forget that. And I've not stopped feeling about baseball since then. And I've never, ever gotten to a place in my life that was as low as I was that day. And Greg Maddux was a big reason I pulled out of it.
0: It's one thing for us to be fans of the game and watch games on TV or attend games at the ballpark. But when you actually get involved as far as playing catch, physically enjoying the game of baseball, it does incredible things for you. So here we have Ethan Bryan, who gives us some of the scientific reasoning behind this, followed up by two firsthand accounts from Adam Hazel, then John Sukanic.
1: You know, as you play catch, it is a whole-body experience. You're coordinating both sides of your body, and your brain is just fully engaged in. And so it's it's a right here, right now moment, and you're not thinking about tomorrow, and you're not thinking about yesterday. And as you are just fully grounded right now, it releases this flood of endorphins in the in the brain, but now you're you're partaking in a meaningful connection with someone you cannot play catch by definition by yourself, and so you you're spending a meaningful interaction, meaningful connection with somebody else, and Fifteen minutes, once or twice a week. Man, the effects that that has on your body is enormous.
3: There's a guy, Ethan Bryan, who wrote a book of 365 days of catch. And going into the last the pandemic, you know, a lot of us like our mental health wasn't wasn't where we wanted to be. You know, when I play catch every day, like that is a good thing for me. So of course my eight-year-old daughter being her, like I'm on 196 days in a row of playing catch and probably 90 of them are me and her in the driveway. And there's days I can't get her to play catch, but like her and my four-year-old are like, hey, pitch to me. And I'm like, all right, I'll count this. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Monday, 196 in a row. There was uh, There's only been one day, I was like, oh God, I forgot. It was like nine o'clock at night and I dragged my daughter out there. I'm like, come on, five throws, let's go.
1: And on like day four, I drove out to my dad's, we played catch in the backyard. And I'm like, like, I'm 25 minutes away from you. Why, why haven't we played catch more? And it just like, it was emotional for me. And and my youngest son is the other cool experience where he's 17 and he's not a sports kid. He doesn't play sports, but I've dragged him out to play catch for me for the streak a couple of times. And it's turned into this where whether I do it with somebody else that day for the streak or not, we play catch almost every day. And the other day I had a, I had one scheduled, somebody on Twitter reached out to me and was like, Hey, I'll meet you at this park and we'll play catch. And they didn't show up. So I came home and I was like, well, maybe my son will want to play. And when I walked in the door, I said to my wife, where, where's Jackson? And she said, he's out in the backyard with his glove, just waiting to see if you want to play catch. And I'm like, I mean, come on, like, you know, as a dad and, you know, 17 year old son. And at a time when he probably thinks his dad's kind of lame and breaking away from his parents like he's in the backyard waiting for me to play catch
0: and finally scott mckay who talks about the benefits of playing baseball and being on a team
3: it goes a little bit deeper than that in in that i wasn't doing much you know sport wise and i needed to get to get something going because um my father isn't very well currently it you know to to get out and just do something to get your
0: mind off of things it was a massive therapy you know you know doing something really cool on the field or something like that and then going back to kind of tell him a bit later on it, it was a really kind of nice fuzzy feeling so in some difficult times the, the sport popped up for me and it really showed the qualities that it's got you know you know that on a sunday right okay i've got to go and travel somewhere And I'm going to be playing baseball for a little bit. In lesson number three, baseball is so much bigger than the game. It's so much bigger than whether or not your team wins or loses. It's about community. It's about teaching kids the importance of winning and losing the right way. It's about loving something through the worst parts and the best parts of it. And tuning in every single day, because on any given day, anything can happen. You can absolutely get the pants spanked off of you one day, you can lose 21 to nothing, and then you can turn around the next day and you can win a ball game. And that's so much like life in so many different ways. So here is Oscar Lorena followed by Virgil Brooks.
2: So a baseball field is a centralized location for a bunch of different kids, a a bunch of different backgrounds, a bunch of different families to just meet and have a common uh, moment. And that is on the field. And the kids love it. They, they meet friends that they want to hang out with after the fact. They love the fact that they get to go eat pizza after the game. Eh, you know, they hit the ball. There's excitement. You see the genuine excitement of the youth that you don't get when you get older, I think. Like, you start to it starts to fade a little bit. And so for me, I, I've always taught my kids, like, you got to enjoy it. Have fun out there. I don't care if you do well. I don't care if you fail. It's not about that. It's about having fun and just learning and for so for me it's it's all about that growth well i mean i've always looked at minor league parks as kind of a snapshot of the town because that's where all your locals pretty much hang out so you have people like me that travel all the time and you're around the other travelers but you know most of that time they're just local so the local customs local food local beers of course is always good I mean, you just have a good time and it just feels like this is what the town has to offer on Showcase.
0: To close out the highlight reel for year one, we have John Ryan on why baseball and baseball fans are something special, followed by Michael Harris with a great description of what Baseball Bucket List is all about.
2: In that moment where I was like, this is why I love baseball, it's like 22,000 people right now are standing on their feet. Every single one of those people came to the ballpark that day, wanting the Mariners to win. And now every one of them is cheering for this Philip Humber guy. And they're not cheering against the Mariners, they're cheering for baseball. A real baseball fan or baseball fanatic is baseball is before your team. I'm a bigger fan of baseball than I am of the Blue Jays. I'm a bigger fan of baseball than I am of the Mariners. And that was like that moment that really like brought it home where I'm like sitting there on an opposing team's park and everyone's cheering for the opposing pitcher. And I just remember Brendan Ryan was pinch hit. He came in, ran the count full and being so nervous for a game that I wasn't even involved in, a game that my team was uh, gonna lose. And I just remember uh, a check swing. He hooked like a nasty slider, check swing. The ball gets away from the catcher, A.J. Prezinski Brandon Ryan turns around to argue with the ump. And in that moment that it took him to argue, A.J. Pruszynski gathered the ball, threw it down to first, and we saw, you know, baseball history.
3: My best baseball memory is just being on the road and going to baseball games and finding towns and finding tiny little ballparks and weird little ballparks that I never otherwise would have gotten to. Being in Japan, being in Mexico, being all over, that's my my baseball memory. I've seen seven inning professional no-hitters, and nine-inning college summer league no hitters. I've seen triple plays. I've seen cycles. But the experience of just being at a game somewhere, even if it's a blowout in the middle of nowhere in Kansas, I, I'm that's my that's my baseball memory.
0: And that will wrap up year one of the Baseball Bucket List podcast. Special thanks to every single bucket head who has come on and shared those baseball memories with us, and every single listener who has made the Baseball Bucket List podcast a part of their Thursday morning routine. I can't begin to explain what all of that means to me. Thank you so much for your support. Cheers to many more great baseball adventures. Be sure to visit us at baseballbucketlist.com. There is so much more to this than just a podcast. We are back to our regularly scheduled programming next week. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next episode.